Well, the first thing I want to do is just to say happy Mother's Day. Uh, Mothers, we love you, we appreciate you, and we are so thankful for you. Now, I know in in normal times, you are really, really busy. And now, many of you are doing your job at home while taking care of kids. You're homeschooling. You're doing everything uh, that uh, you're burning the candle from one end to the other. And, And we just appreciate you, and we know that you're doing so much as unto the Lord as you as you raise your kids. Now, I did see this on Facebook, uh, said, uh, parents, how's homeschooling going? And this was written on an SUV. Uh, one mother wrote, you lied. My kids are not a joy to have in class. <laughs> we know that uh, it's going to be a challenge for you as you, uh, as you are doing so many things at home. But we also know this. We have been talking about this for a long time. Now we're experiencing the the home is the hub of worship and the home is the hub of teaching. And you are, you've always been the primary teachers uh, of your kids. And we are so thankful for what you're doing. So thankful for you. And uh, happy Mother's Day. Just have a great uh, weekend uh, on this Mother's Day weekend. So Father, we thank you for every mother. We thank you for what you're doing in our homes. We do thank you, Lord, that you are causing us to experience that the home is the hub of worship. The home is the hub of discipleship. And we pray, Father, that you would be with every mom. Bless them, encourage them. Lord, give them physical strength as well as the spiritual strength and, emo- strength and emotional strength they need uh, to do what you've called them to do, this, this, this critical assignment. Father, we thank you for our day. We pray that you would bless us as we look at your word. Teach us as only you can do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Glenn Chambers was this young man with a big dream. He wanted to work with a, a radio ministry called the Voice of the Andes. And he desired to take the message of Jesus Christ over the airwaves to people who normally or otherwise wouldn't be able to hear it. He raised all his support and he got ready to go. And he was at the Miami airport getting ready to board the plane to start his journey to Ecuador. So he, uh, he said, I want to write a, a note to my mom. And he couldn't find anything on his person or in his backpack. And, and so he looked on the floor and he saw this scrap of paper. It was actually a, an advertisement. And the advertisement had right in the middle of it, just the word, Why? W-H-Y. So Chambers uh, wrote a note. He wrote on one side on the top, down the other side on the bottom. Uh, wrote this note to his mom, put it in an envelope, and then stuck it in the, in the mailbox at the airport. Uh, put it on, uh, got on the plane, and uh, headed to Ecuador. But Glenn Chambers never made it to Ecuador. His plane crashed in a, a mountain peak right outside of Bogota, Colombia. And by the time his mom got that letter, she already had a broken heart. She already knew her son was dead. And when she opened that envelope, there staring up at her was that word, why? Why? It's a penetrating question, isn't it? And it's a word that kind of follows us. It's a question that follows us throughout our lives. We, we, we wake up with a pain in, in our side and it stays there for a few days. And then we go to the, we go to the doctor and then we learn that uh, we have surgery and chemo and radiation. 
Things are going well in, in our lives, and then all of a sudden, boom, we're just blindsided, and there's a broken relationship. And we ask, why? What's going on? Ch children. I know so many of you are praying for uh, children during this time, and, and some of you have broken relationships with your kids. And, and ask why? I do know that for some of you, Mother's Day is the hardest day of the year. You so desire to have a child. And to this point in your life, God hasn't let that happen yet. Or, or, or maybe you know that he's not. And you ask, why? Or maybe you've lost a child. We're experiencing that in our family with the loss of our grandson during Mother's Day. We remember that loss. Why? Maybe you want to be a mom and God hadn't led you to the right person yet. And you're saying, God, what are you doing? Why? How long? In our country, many people are asking the question, why? 70,000 people have died alone from the coronavirus. 70,000 people. Think of the hurting families. Think of what's going on in so many families around our country. And along with the, the physical death, there have been deaths of businesses and careers and jobs and dreams. Graduations have been put on hold. The job market basically has dried up. Many of you, you had weddings planned and, and you had to postpone them. And, and one of the saddest things, when we do funerals, a funeral is a celebration of life. We usually pack it out here uh, in, 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 our, in our campus at our worship center or in whatever campus a funeral is held. And it's a celebration of life and favorite songs are sung. And, and people get up and they share the message. And, and those funerals, those celebrations of life have been reduced to a few people standing around uh, a grave at a cemetery outdoors with masks on. I did a, I did a graveside the other day and, and I said, hey, let's all gather around. And I realized uh, we can't do that, can we? We have to stay apart. And so we asked the question, why? People are hurting. People are confused. People are afraid. And they're asking the question, why? That's why we're starting a new sermon series, and it is called Anchor. Unshakable trust in the midst of storms. And as our um, theme verse, we're going to use a passage from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. And that verse just tells us that Jesus is our sure and steadfast anchor of our soul. And we're going to take all our confusion and we're going to take all our fears and we're going to take all our questions and, and our anxiety and our loneliness, uh, the, the, the feeling of being overwhelmed. We're going to take all those and we're going to anchor them in Jesus, the anchor of our soul. Now we're going to get to that Hebrews passage here in a second, but before we do, I want us to look at a, an, an amazing story in scripture. It's in John chapter nine, and it's a story about Jesus and his disciples, and they're asking the question, why? And we learn so much from the story. 
As Jesus, as they passed by, they saw a man blind from birth. So Jesus and his disciples, John chapter nine, they're walking down the road. Jesus is with his disciples like he, like he was so many times. They walk down the road and they see this man sitting by the road. He's probably begging, he's blind. And they learn that this man was born blind. And his disciples ask this question. Look at verse two. His disciples ask him, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents that he was born blind. You see, in that thinking and in our thinking a lot of times, there has to be a cause and effect, right? This happened, so this happened. This happened, so this happened. A cause and effect. And the disciples say, who sinned? Now, it's an interesting question, isn't it? Because the man was born blind. So how could he have sinned before he was born? A lot of commentators have some ideas about that. Maybe, maybe God looked down, maybe they thought God looked down the tunnel of time and they knew that this guy would do something bad. And so God said, I'm just going to pre-punish you. Or maybe he sinned in the womb. I mean, how, how would you do that? But that's a possibility, at least asking the question, did this man sin? Or maybe his parents sinned. So who sinned? There's, there's got to be a cause. And effect. If this man is blind, then something had to happen to cause that. We ask the same type of questions, don't we? We want to know why. If this happens in our life, God, why did you do this? How long is this going to happen? God, I want an answer. What's going on? And if I don't get an answer, then, then we conclude that God, maybe he doesn't care about us. Or um, he, um, he really isn't as powerful as we thought. Um, or maybe he's unfair. We always ask the question, why? Now, this is interesting because Jesus doesn't answer the question. Look what he says in verse three. It's not this man. Uh, it is not that this man sinned or his parents. Jesus says neither of them sinned, but that the works of God may be displayed in him. Now let's just think about that. Jesus said no cause and effect here, guys. The man didn't sin. That's not why he's blind. That's why he didn't sin, so he's blind. And his parents, they didn't sin, so he's blind. Neither of them sinned. Now, Jesus goes on with this great statement we're going to get back to, but, 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 but here's inherent, the inherent truth in what he says there. He didn't sin. His parents didn't sin. There is no cause and effect in this situation. What, what's Jesus saying inherently here? Jesus is just saying, we live in a sinful world. In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, Everything's great. Everything's perfect. In Genesis 3, the door was opened and sin rushes in the door. It permeates everything around us. It permeates nature. Nature groans now under the weight of sin. It permeates our heart. Sin is all around us. We live in a sinful world and sometimes just unfair and things happen in our life because we live in this world world. You see, uh, sin is the ultimate coronavirus, right? Now, if you're a numbers person, 100% of people are infected by sin, and 100% of people are going to die because of sin. And if you're a people person, sometimes a person, you know that they have the virus, right? You know they are sinners. When, when you get through talking to them, man, you get the fever. 
And then sometimes they're kind of, they look asymptomatic, right? You can't really tell, but all of us have it. All of us are infected. In fact, Romans chapter five, uh, verse 12 says this, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. The world is saturated by sin. So if you're looking, Jesus is saying, if you're looking for a cause and effect, you're not going to find it every time. There, there, there may not be an answer to the why. Jesus says we just live in this world. It's a sinful, sin-saturated world. The virus is there. So neither this man nor his parents sin, but look what Jesus says. But that the works of God might be displayed in him. This man's situation has occurred. It's here, it's present. So that the works of God might be displayed in him. And then Jesus says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, night is coming when no one can work. What's Jesus saying there? Jesus is saying, that there is always, the day is the opportunity. We have an opportunity. It's not always going to be there. The night's coming. There's a limit to our opportunity. But while the opportunity is there, while the situation is there, while we're living in this situation that we're in, we have the opportunity to demonstrate the power of God in our lives. We have the opportunity to demonstrate the works of God while it is day. So in this opportunity that we have, whatever the, we, don't, we don't know the answer why. We could spend the rest of our life trying to figure out the answer to why. The situation is here. And God's going to use it to display his works through us. Jesus said, verse 5, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Right now I'm here, I'm the light of the world. I'm not always going to be here, but then Jesus will say later, you are the light of the world. You're the one who takes the message of Christ. You are the one, you get to display the works of God in terrible situations. You get to show the world during the opportunities that God places on you. Sometimes they're difficult opportunities, but you get to display the works of God. Now check this out. Look at um, uh, verse Six. This is an amazing story. So here's what Jesus does. In verse six, he spits on the ground in the dirt and he makes uh, an ointment and he puts it on the man's eyes and then he tells the man, go wash uh, in, the, uh, in the pool of Siloam. And the man did and he came back saying, I just want to think about that for a second. Jesus spits in the dirt and he makes a healing ointment. Jesus speaks in the dirt and he makes a healing ointment. Now what, think about it, what is dirtier than dirt? What's messier than dirt? I mean, dirt represents um, what we return to, right? From dust we came to dust we return. It represents death. It, it's the ground on which blood is uh, spilled and, and people die. People are buried in the dirt. And Jesus takes the dirt and he spits in it. And he can make a healing ointment. Think about that. Jesus can make a healing ointment out of dirt. 
puts it on the man's eyes and he sees. Here's the point I want us to see from John chapter nine. Here it is. Jesus transforms the mess of sin and uses it to display God's mighty power. You believe that? Jesus transforms the mess of my sin and my sin is a mess. I don't know all the whys. I just know I am dirty inside and out. And Jesus takes that mess and he transforms it and shows his mighty power. I don't know what you're going through right now. It made me pretty messy. You may be going through some challenging times, but God's going to take the mess. And, and when he interacts with it, he makes it a healing ointment. Think about that. Whatever you're going through, whatever situation you're going through, it may be COVID related or not, but Jesus can take that mess because he's the anchor of your soul. He can take that mess and he makes it a healing ointment and he can display the powerful works of God. Okay, tell you a quick story. So our daughter Mackenzie graduated from college last year and uh, she's looking for a job and she uh, wanted to work for Samaritan's Purse located in Boone, North Carolina. So she goes through the process and she makes a few levels of the interview process and she goes and interviews in Boone, North Carolina, Samaritan's Purse. And guess what? Didn't get the job. So she's disappointed and we're disappointed. And then she moves back to Pittsburgh and that's great. So we get to be with her a little bit uh, again and, and she's in the house and she gets a job in Pittsburgh. Great job downtown. She's living the Pittsburgh dream, right? Downtown Pittsburgh, riding the T back and forth. And then the coronavirus hits and she gets furloughed. And so with my wisdom, I say, Mackenzie, just think about this. Had you been in Boone, North Carolina, and this had hit, and you had gotten laid off, think about it, you would be by yourself, having to stay in a little apartment, you couldn't be home with us, that's why you didn't get that job with Samaritan's Purse. When I was studying for this uh, sermon, I was running one morning, and, uh, and I thought about this John 9 story, and I've never heard an audible voice from God, but it was like he said, remember what you told Mackenzie? You just wanted to make that nice and tidy. You just wanted to say, oh, that's the reason. That's it. Now we get it. And he was saying, well, what do you know? She could have gone there. She could have gotten the job. She could have made friends. She could have been traveling with Samaritan's Purse around the world. What do you know? How do you know why? Your job's not to know why. Your job's just to encourage her and help her and help her display the glory of God, the power of God during this time in her life when she had this other job and now she's furloughed. You see, we don't always get to know the whys. We just have to know, God, here it is. And I'm going to do what you're calling me to do. I am going to display your power in my life. And we do that. We can only do that when we are anchored in Jesus. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. 
Love this passage. This is going to be the theme as we go through over the next weeks, anchoring ourselves in Jesus. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. We, talking about believers, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. We have this, and this is the the works of Jesus, the person of Jesus. We have Jesus as the sure and steadfast anchor of our soul. Now, let's just think about this first. Let's leave it up here, and let's think about it a little bit. We have Jesus as the sure and steadfast anchor of our soul. First of all, the word anchor. What a beautiful, what a beautiful symbol of Jesus. Before the cross was a symbol, or the fish was a symbol, the anchor was a symbol of the Christian life. The anchor, that, that you, you put it off a boat and it keeps the boat steady in the storm. It doesn't allow the boat to drift. Jesus is the anchor. If you go to the, to the early Christian grave sites, you can see engraved in, in some of the stones. They found about over 60 uh, Christian uh, tombstones with an anchor engraved in those. Jesus is the anchor of the soul. Soul, the innermost part of us, the deepest part of us, the part where the emotions come, the part where the things come up in our life. Jesus is the anchor of our soul. And he is sure and steadfast. He is sure. He is the one who keeps us steady. Sure means uh, not to totter. You like a teeter-totter? We don't, we don't teeter-totter when, when we have Jesus as anchor. We are steady. We hold fast. And steadfast means it's a platform. If you walk on this platform, it doesn't break through. It holds you up. So we have Jesus as this anchor, this sure and steadfast anchor of our soul. He's the one who holds us up. He's the one who keeps us steady. He's the one we can depend on every day of our life. We don't have to know all the answers to the why. When we anchor ourselves in Jesus, then we can display the glory of God in every aspect of our life. All right, as we kind of wrap up, three things about, three how-tos about being, Jesus being the anchor of our soul. Now, we're going we're gonna to drill down on these in the next weeks, but just kind of just a little overview on this, all right? First, first, trust in Jesus as the anchor of your soul. Now, I don't know if you've done that. Have you trusted in Jesus alone as the only way to have a relationship with the living God? That's where it starts. If you've not trusted in Jesus, email me, rmore at biblechapel.org. We'll, we'll do a phone call. We'll do one of those Zoom calls. Anyone done a Zoom call? Or, or maybe like 500 Zoom calls? We'll get on a Zoom call. We'll talk about what it means to trust in Jesus. He is the anchor of our soul. You can trust in him. He came to die for your sins. He came to do for you what you couldn't do for yourself. Just, just, just imagine you had, you had uh, coronavirus, right? And, and you're having a hard time breathing. You have fever. You got the chills. You get the whole bit. They, put, they say, yeah, you got it. Put you in the hospital. And think if someone could come in and say, look, you got the disease, but I'm going, we're going to hook up machine up and we're going to transfer the coronavirus to this other person. They're going to die, but you're going to live. That's what Jesus did for us. We're again, sin is the ultimate coronavirus. We've got the disease 
And Jesus came and he did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. If you haven't trusted in Christ, please reach out to us. If you don't want to talk to me, I'll send you to someone else. I can understand if you don't want to talk to me, but just email me, rmore at biblechapel.org and I'll get you with the right person because we want you to know for sure that you've trusted in Jesus Christ alone as the only way to have a relationship with the living God. So that's where this anchor begins, trusting in Christ. Now, if you've trusted in Christ, the second thing is act like it. (laughs) Act like you've trusted in Christ. And so walk with Jesus as the anchor of your soul. Walk with Jesus as the anchor of your soul. That's what we're going to be talking about over the next weeks. Walking with Jesus. What does that look like? What does that feel like? Where do we go to scripture to make sure we are walking with Jesus? Just one verse right here. It's Hebrews chapter 4, verses 4 through 14. Walking with Jesus. Just think about this. Since then, we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. We can hold fast to what we know to be true. Believers, the world is watching. We need to hold fast to what we know is true. For we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So we have one, an anchor of the soul, who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. He's the one we go to. He's the one we gain confidence from. He's the anchor so that we can demonstrate to this watching world what it looks like to be in our situation without knowing all the whys, but to be in our situation and let God's glory, God's power be demonstrated through us. Let us then hold, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Man, what a passage. Jot that one down. Memorize that one. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Now, a couple questions. Again, we're going to be talking about this over the next weeks. How do we anchor ourselves in Jesus? But just two questions right now. Number one, are you reading the Bible more than you're watching the news? That's the first question. If you want to be anchored, if you want to be confused, just keep watching the news. But if you want to be anchored in Jesus, go to his word, see what he has to say, read passages like Hebrews chapter 4, 14 through 16. You're going to get a bunch of those during this series and get into his word. And here's the other one. Are you praying in more depth now than pre-COVID-19? Are you going through his throne with confidence? Are you finding the mercy and strength you need there? We can't do it on our own. There's a lot going on. A lot of you are being furloughed. A lot of you are losing your jobs. A lot of you are worried about your business. Is it even going to make it? I talked to one guy this week. His business, he knows, is going to be 60% down coming up. Health situations, family situations. We pray on Wednesday nights and it's just heartbreaking to go through all the things people are going through. But man, what a blessing it is to be able to lift them up to God. So walk with Jesus as the anchor of your soul. Here's the last one. Last one is this. Let the end of the story impact your present story. Let the end of the story impact your present story. I got to tell you something. Just keep this a secret, right? Guys, we win. We win. As believers, we win. 
A, a couple of weeks ago, Dave uh, DiDonato did a great job in, uh, in, in preaching through uh, the last part of 1 Corinthians 15. And that's what he talked about. Remember, death is swallowed up in victory. We win. Thanks be to God. He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We win. And then remember, Dave, with his bomber jacket on, took that mic and he dropped the mic. It, a little backstory. Um, he practiced that so many times. He broke every mic uh, we have here at the South Hills campus. So if Dave, hey, campus pastors, if Dave reaches out to you and wants a mic, just say, no, you cannot have another microphone. We dropped the mic. And then, and then Dave took us to uh, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast because we win. Be immovable because we win. We know the end of the story. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain because what? We win. Now I want to tell you a story. Uh, in his book, Good to Great, Jim Collins interviews a guy named uh, Jim Stockdale. He was the highest ranking military officer ever to be held captive in Hanoi. He was there for uh, eight years and 20 times he was tortured. The Vietnamese uh, used the prisoners of war for propaganda and so that, um, so that Stockdale could not be, uh, you know, this uh, well-treated prisoner, he took a stool and he beat himself over the face and then he cut himself so they couldn't use him for propaganda. And Collins interviewed him and he said, man, how did you made it for eight years? How did you do that? How did you live for eight years like that? And Stockdale said, well, I live like that because I wasn't an optimist. Collins said, what are you talking about? He said, the optimists didn't make it. Here's what the optimists say. The optimists, oh, oh, they were the ones who said, we're, we're going to be out by Christmas. And then Christmas would come and Christmas would go. And then they'd say, we're going to be out by Easter. And then Easter would come and Easter would go. And, and then Thanksgiving and, and then Christmas again. And, and they died of a broken heart. And then Stockdale said this. This is a very important lesson. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they may be. You can never lose the faith that you're going to prevail in the end. You can't lose that. And you have to confront the facts of your brutal reality. You got to keep your anchor in Jesus. Stockdale said this, I never lost faith in the end of the story. I, I never doubted not only that I would get out, but also that I would prevail in the end and turn the experience, that experience into the defining event of my life, which in retrospect, he said, I would not trade. And that's good stuff. We never forget the end of the story. We live today with the end of the story in mind. Well, life isn't fair. We live in a fallen world. Things are going to happen. Challenges are going to come. Pain's going to come. Brokenness is here. We live in a fallen world all around us. But we win because we know the end of the story. We're going we're gonna to anchor ourselves in Jesus. But as we wrap up today, I just want you to know those two words. We win. We win because of Jesus. Father, we thank you that you are a God who loves us and you care for us. 
and we win because we know the end of the story. Jesus died for our sins and he rose from the dead and we now have victory over the final enemy, death itself. And we have victory over everything in between when you, Jesus, are the anchor of our soul. We're gonna go through some hills and we'll go through some valleys. But we know with you, we are never alone. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did. Thank you, we win. We pray in your name, amen.